President Trump says that he's about to get indicted for the third time. I mean, his poll numbers are about to just skyrocket through the roof. A third, every time Trump gets indicted, it's a surge in the polls. And this time it's going to be for the January 6th protest. You, you remember you remember those protests where Trump repeatedly urged his supporters to remain peaceful? Yeah, so now he's, so he's set to get indicted over that. And by the way, speaking of Trump's poll numbers, I mean, Ron DeSantis' campaign is just tanking, plunging out of control. And there are people who are suggesting that Ron DeSantis should actually drop out. Now it's way too early. Technically speaking, anything could happen. But like Trump's lead right now is just uh, uh, virtually insurmountable. By the way, Trump uh, suggested, implied, insinuated that he is not going to be participating in the first Republican debate, which is set to happen uh, sometime within the next four weeks. So we're going to actually play that clip coming up. You know, it's amazing how MAGA, right? The media and the left, they act like MAGA is a dirty word. It's like like there's something like it's a disease. Like there's something. Oh, those those crazy MAGA supporters like there's something wrong with them. Think, just think about that for a moment. MAGA. It stands for Make America Great Again, as you know. And like this is the big gripe that the left has and the media has. Those people who want to, those those in, those insurrection people, those people who think the election was stolen, they want to make America great again. Well, that's just egregious. All right, uh, so we're going to keep an eye on that. A squad member is under fire after she called Israel racist. Pr- Pramila Jayapal called Israel a racist state. But then she clarified. She, clar- she walked back the comments and she said that she never meant to say that Israel is racist. She just meant to say the Israeli government is racist. I didn't mean Israel. I, I, like, I didn't mean like the dirt is racist. I didn't mean that like the land, the ground is racist. I meant to say, you know, that, that uh, the government is racist. Oh, well, in that case, then that's no problem whatsoever. That settles that. That's coming up. We're, we are going to get into RFK Jr. and his his egregious comments. He's been accused of anti-Semitism. RFK Jr. said that the COVID-19 virus was ethnically targeted to not infect Jews, not affect Ashkenazi Jews. We'll actually play you that clip and the follow-up where he tried to clarify. We're going to break down RFK's comments. And look, I don't know how you feel about RFK Jr. I have my issues with RFK Jr., is RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who, by the way, is polling pretty impressively high uh, in the Democrat primary against Joe Biden, shockingly much higher than anybody should be polling against the sitting president. But uh, is RFK an anti-Semite? Look, there's no way to know if he's an anti-Semite, although there are multiple red flags. There is a history here, as we'll explain. But the fact is, the comments were dangerous. The comments were disgraceful, implying that somehow COVID was taught. And I understand he clarified that he didn't mean it was deliberate. They didn't mean it was by design. But like to make this insinuation that like somehow Ashkenazi Jews are the one group other than Chinese people who are somehow immune to COVID. And of course, we know the opposite is true. We know that uh, that the, the Jewish community got hit extremely hard. One of the, was one of the hardest hit communities by COVID. Rahman I mean, tragically, I mean, we know about the horrors. So like the 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 whole the, the, the facts are just completely contradict and debunk whatever you're trying to say. But that's not the issue. It's disgraceful. He knew it was disgraceful. He should know better. But we will. But does that mean he's an anti-Semite? Not necessarily, as we will explain. And yes, the media is completely misconstruing his comments, as we would expect them to do. But by the way, RFK, it's not like he's conservative. You know, the media does not like him because because he's anti-vax, but it's not like he's conservative and he's a conspiracy theorist. So, like, he's kind of in his own world there. Well, we, we will break all of that down coming up. Bombshell report the Secret Service 
We know they closed their investigation into cocaine gate, but they did it without conducting a single interview. You cannot make this stuff up. The Secret Service has confirmed they did not conduct one interview before closing the investigation. Inconclusive investigation. They cannot possibly figure out who might have brought cocaine into the White House. So we will give you their official reason, their official rationale for not conducting interviews before uh, determining that uh, it's inconclusive. No way to ever figure out. Who brought the cocaine? New York City is paying million, um, sorry, billions of dollars. New York City is paying $1.8 billion to blacks and Hispanics who were trying to become public school teachers but failed the teacher exams. This is actually part of a settlement of a lawsuit where apparently New York City, the, the, the blacks and Hispanics who were attempting to become teachers failed the teacher exam, they're saying that the reason they failed is not because they were not qualified, not because they did not know the curriculum, did not know the material, but because the exams were racist. You cannot make this stuff up. So New York City is settling the lawsuit. New York City is agreeing and saying, yeah, listen, these tests, even though there is zero evidence, zero indication, zero basis to suggest that these exams were racist, other than the fact that blacks and Hispanics, do the math here, well, the blacks and Hispanics didn't do as well as the white people. Well, why is that? Well, can't be because they are less capable or have lower skill levels or don't know the material as well. So must be that the test was racist. All right, let's fork over $1.8 billion. $1.8 billion. It's an un- unfathomable number. So we will get to that coming up. As I said, President Trump has hinted he's not going to participate in the first debate. So you know what? Let me look for that clip first. Let me uh, play that clip. And, and, and look, here's my issue. As I search here for the clip of Trump, it, this is people who say, well, you know what? What is he what is he afraid of? Well, why not? Why would you not debate? And that is just completely the wrong attitude here, because the answer is you got to do what, what, what the, the smart strategic move. You got to do what you need to do to win. OK, this is not like a sport where it's like, well, why are you staying out of the ring? Why would you not you know, get involved and engage with your opponent? It, it, it all depends if the smart move, if you think you have a better likelihood of winning, he wants to become president. And not only does he want to become president, but the country needs him to win again and to beat Joe Biden this time and to rescue the country from the abyss. So it's all about what, you know, whatever is best. I'll get into that a little bit more in a moment. But here Trump was asked about the debate by Maria Bartiromo on Fox News. Listen to this clip. I want to begin with the state of play of this election, with now uh, the election over a year away and the first GOP primary debate uh, a month or so away. Will you be on that stage? Are you participating in the upcoming debate? Well, you know, it's a uh, quite an easy question normally. Ronald Reagan didn't do it and a lot of other people didn't do it. When you have a big lead, you don't do it. And we have a lead of 50 and 60 points in some cases, and uh, some of these people are at zero. Uh, Ron DeSanctis, as I call him, or DeSanctimonious, is down to, uh, he's in the teens now, and I'm at 50 and 60 and 65, and even I saw one today at 70. And so you're leading people by 50 and 60 points, and you say, why would you be doing a debate? It's not, it's actually not fair. Why would you let somebody that's at zero, or at one or two or three, you know, be popping you with questions? Well, I mean... Very simple. I mean, it really like, well, well, what is he afraid of? Well, should he go and just debate people randomly in the street? Let just anybody who decides that they want to debate Trump, let them get up on the stage and debate Trump. You know, like he said, somebody polling at zero, one percent. And you'll say, but what do you mean? If you can beat them, you can beat them. Number one, anybody could have a bad night. But that's not even the issue. 
The issue is that when you have such a he said it, Reagan did it. I mean, what about Biden? Is anybody going to complain? I'll, I'll, by the way, I'll be shocked if Biden debates in the general election against whoever the Republican nominee is. Looks like it's going to be Trump, of course, but still time. Who knows? Uh, you know, I, I, nobody has that. When Trump was the incumbent, there was you know there was no option, no possibility that he was going to who, who ran against him. Howard Schultz. I had somebody primaried against Trump in the Republican primary, and very often there are many. There have been many, many incumbent president. Trump is almost like an incumbent. He's the former president. Very rare to have a candidate who is a former president. Has I don't think it's happened in, in in my lifetime. So, you know, in that sense, like I, you know, he, he, he basically has the same rules. The incumbent, why on earth should he bother to get on a debate stage with a bunch of people, just a bunch of failures? I mean, just a bunch of people who are just going nowhere. So it's very simple. If it was a five-point differential and he doesn't debate, then you want to tell me he's a coward. Look, it's a five-point differential, so he's got a lot to gain. Right? Right? The closer the race is, the more you have to gain because a good debate and you can pull away. But if it's a very, very large, he said DeSantis is in the scenes, or as he calls them, the sanctimonious. And, you know, Trump's in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s in these polls. And DeSantis, who's the next closest, who's number two, is like 30 to 40 to 50 points behind Trump. So in that sense, there's literally it, it, it there's just literally nothing to gain by debating and everything to lose. So it's like if the if it's a close race, then yeah, the safest bet is is a debate, and as long as you're you know halfway decent. So it's like if somebody doesn't debate and there's like a five or eight point differential, right? Then like what's the explanation? They obviously are worried that they're terrified that they're going to perform just so badly. They're saying. It's not worth the risk. But here, you know, because then it's obviously there. You have what to gain, but you're worried about losing. So, like, you must be just a terrible debater. If you're polling 5 or 10% ahead of your next next closest opponent, I mean, you've got to debate because you've got to pull ahead. And if you're not debating, then you're terrified. But Trump, with a 40-point lead here, even with no debates, he's virtually unbeatable. So even you tell me, well, it's a very minimal risk, which it is. I think, by the way, I think Trump could actually gain in the polls if he debates. I mean, look at how he did on, on CNN during that town hall. But there's simply nothing to gain. So anybody who criticizes and says, oh, what is Trump afraid of? I don't look at it that way at all. It's all about risk-benefit, cost-benefit analysis, and very simple equation over here. Trump has everything to lose in a debate and nothing to gain. It doesn't mean that it's likely that he's going to lose, but it's just, it's literally pointless. And like you said, Reagan and so many other um, you know candidates have made this decision when they've had a massive, massive lead in the polls. All right, so Israel's President Herzog is going to address Congress, and you have multiple members of the squad boycotting uh, the address of, of, of his, the Israeli president, President Herzog. Like, I wish they would always boycott Congress. Of course, talking about Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Ocasio and the usual suspects, the squad members and the leftists and the socialists. Meanwhile, Pramila Jayapal called Israel a racist state, d- disgraceful comments. And what's amazing, by the way, is that the hypocrisy, others have pointed this out, the hypocrisy of the media, the New York Times and other uh, other mainstream media outlets who are sitting here blasting RFK and, you know, calling RFK an anti-Semite. And as I said, whether he's an anti-Semite or not, but, you know, what what he said was inexcusable, but he may not even, what he said wasn't as bad as Jayapal calling Israel a racist state, you know, in in my opinion, not even close when we actually break down and play those comments for you. But, uh, but, 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 But it's not the point. The media is not even mentioning the squad members 
disgracefully uh, referring to Israel as a racist state. Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East, Israel, where literally, you know, Arabs and Jews are able to both live freely, where you have not one single Arab country in the Middle East that a Jew can walk around freely and feel safe and and, and not one democracy. Like, you know, and the the list just goes on and on of, of how good Arabs have it in Israel, and yet they call it an apartheid state and they call it a racist state. And then she walked back the comments and she said, well, Israel's not a racist state. That's not what I meant. Israel, basically Israel under Netanyahu is a racist state. You know, she she released a statement on Twitter. She said she does not believe the idea of Israel as a nation is racist, but the extreme right wing government has outright racist policies. Oh, well, that well, in that case, okay, all that clarifies things. It's not that the idea of Israel is racist. It's not like the land, you walk around the land of Israel. It's not like the trees are racist and the stones are racist. It's just the extreme right-wing government, which has basically been in charge, by the way, for most of the last 15 years. They're racist. So they're the extreme racist. It's not that Israel's racist. It's just that Israel is racist. Oh, okay, well, thank you for that clarification. But again, the double standard where the media just ignores these vicious anti-Semitic BDS supporters like Jayapal, Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, Ocasio. But RFK quotes a study, makes a bizarre comment. We'll explain it all. We'll play it for you. And uh, the media has like a total meltdown blasting RFK. And and as I said earlier, Ben Shapiro made the point, great point. RFK is polling at, at about 20 or 25 percent in the Democrat primary among Democrat voters. RFK polling between 20 and 25 percent. Biden's in the 70s, which is that's an astonishing number. Biden's supposed to be in the 90s. Remember Trump. Trump was a relatively unpopular president and Trump was polling in the 90s when he was running you know, for reelection in the Republican primary. And virtually any incumbent president in his own party is going to be polling in the 90s at least 90, 92, 95 percent. Biden's in the 70s. And is it is it any wonder? I mean, just the, the man is just like just a walking disaster. I mean, he's just a walking train wreck. So that's part of why the media here is so threatened by RFK. And I wanted to get the story here where this settlement, where New York City is going to be compensating blacks and Hispanics. This is insane. You cannot make this stuff up. New York City is going to pay $1.8 billion to blacks and Hispanics who failed this teaching exam. The city is saying, well, the exam was racist. Here's how it works, right? They failed the test, perhaps because they were not qualified. Perhaps the test wasn't racist after all. But then they say, well, it's not our fault. It's because the test is racist. And the city says, okay, you're right. It's not your fault. The test was racist. And you're more than qualified to be a New York City teacher. So we're going to pay you millions of dollars because it's the test's fault, not the test taker's fault. And by the way, here's the problem. This has actually been debunked because blacks and minorities fail other teaching tests also uh, not the one mainstream ones not the ones that have taken that 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 uh, where they were given in new york city but the ones that are given all around the country blacks and other minorities perform worse than whites on those tests too so that actually reaffirms the fact that it's not the tests that are racist but it's the people taking the test that for whatever reason have some other factor i mean you could draw your own conclusion but it's some other factor other than Racism. The test is not racist. You know, it's like everything these days. I mean, we keep telling you about all these things that are Amazon Ring is racist, right? Because you can get in touch with the police and send the police incriminating videos of of minorities. So that makes it racist. And so many other things that are. Remember when pulse oximeters were racist because they don't accurately measure the amount of oxygen in the blood of black people because of the pigmentation or whatever. So anyway, as part of the lawsuit settlement, the city's compensating. Like I said, uh, some people who never got hired as teachers are going to get over a million dollars each. The New York Post interviewed 
Herman Grimm, a 64-year-old minority, I guess black man. He's going to be, get, be getting $2 million after he failed the test a lot of times. He could not provi- provide any examples of how these questions were racist. I mean, and, and uh, so, and by the way, it's, it concerns the liberal arts and sciences tests. Um, teachers, or at least wannabe teachers, took the test between 1993 and 1995. More than 90% of whites passed this liberal arts and sciences test. On sciences tests, only 53% of blacks and even fewer Hispanics passed this test. By the way, they say it's not even a hard test. They say that it essentially, the, the, all that it requires is that the teachers know the curriculum that they are going to be teaching in high school. So it's not like a college-level test. It's a high school-level test because if you're going to be teaching high school, they want you to at least be able to pass the test that you're going to be giving to the kids and be, you know, be able to know the curriculum you're going to be teaching over to the kids. So uh, let me read you over here. 2017, New York State scrapped its requirement that teachers must pass the literacy test because just 46% of Hispanic test takers, 41% of black test takers passed it on the first try compared to 64% of white candidates. Uh, it's just pretty astonishing. And these teaching exams are notoriously easy. Um, and, and then there are these praxis tests. Praxis tests are the ones that they take throughout the country. And those also, uh, African-American test takers, had passing rates lower than white white test takers by 35% or more. So those are the, the national standardized tests that are given all over. Those are not these New York City racist tests. But it seems that the National Education Association, which is a teacher's union, says, well, the praxis test is also <laughs> racist. You really cannot make this stuff up. All right. Um, Let me play you a clip here of Donald Trump Jr. saying, luckily, I did not snort cocaine. Listen to this. I get it. My guys, who I stayed in touch with, many of them just dear friends, they're like, hey, dude, there's no way you would have gotten away with that. I go, I know. Luckily, I don't snort all cocaine. Like, it's not my thing. But when I'm... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, hey, what if it had been you instead of Hunter? Well, yeah, fortunately for him, he doesn't snort cocaine. Don Jr., that was actually pretty funny. All right, so Dan Bongino, as we said, Secret Service did not conduct a single interview. Dan Bongino says, Dan Bongino is a talk show host, and he's a former Secret Service agent himself. He says he has a lot of friends currently in the Secret Service, and they are furious about this, cut. what they believe is a cover-up. Uh, Secret Service spokesman Anthony Guglielmi, he says that no interviews were conducted, and he says that they conducted tests on the, you know, evidence tests, forensic tests, on the baggy the little ziploc bag or the plastic bag that had the cocaine in it and somehow they couldn't find finger they were looking for dna evidence they couldn't find fingerprints by the way this was not this bag was not a porous bag this was like a regular like ziploc or like a baggy like a plastic bag there should have been fingerprints on it so where where, where are the fingerprints and uh, of course video footage supposedly found no significant leads because the camera just happened to miss that spot. There are cameras all over, but just not in that spot conveniently. Well, then why didn't they conduct interviews? So Guglielmi explained they, the reason that they decided to forego interviews was based on several factors. There were 500 individuals who were, I guess, in that area, you know, in the vicinity during the period of time that the cocaine was left there. So it would have put a strain on the Secret Service's resources it would, might also uh, infringe on uh, people's civil liberties. Explain that to me. They find 
cocaine in the White House and they interview people who are around there and that you're, you're infringing on this. Since when, by the way, the Democrats care about infringing on civil liberties and without tangible physical evidence, uh, it would be unlikely that the interviews would yield fruitful results. Why is that? And he says, yeah, you could have a consensual interview where they actually consent to be interviewed. It would be voluntary, but we have no evidence to approach them. Like, what? This is like standard operating procedure over here. You find a narcotic in a private area, whether even if it's not the White House, even if it's the DMV, and certainly if it's the White House, yeah, you interview the people who pass through that area. But, like, it's like, really, you know, what? Well, we just decided that it would put a strain. It would put a strain? You find a narcotic, an illegal drug, and a really bad one, too, by the way. Like, for the first time, basically, ever, in the White House, in the White House, a few feet away from the President of the United States and from the, you know, in the West Wing, and, and like, a, like a few hundred feet away from where the President uh, s- uh, sleeps every night and uh, where he hangs out all day in, in the Oval Office, at least he's supposed to. Uh, you know, at least uh, some, some, if some, a normal president would, right? And, like, you're telling me that it drained, well, you know, you know how many resources, you know how much money it's going to cost? I mean, you know how many resources they drained with the Russia hoax? <laughs> you know how many millions and millions of dollars with all these bogus investigations into President Trump? But suddenly they're worried about draining resources when it comes to interviewing a few hundred people, well, one of whom left cocaine in the White House. So Dan Bongino says, he says there's probably less than 200 people who could have left the cocaine. He says it's a bag of plastic, non-porous, so it's probably not hard to pull a latent fingerprint. He says they must know who did it. And he says the White House must have pressured them. And he says now, you know, it's another FBI situation where we know how much the FBI has been corrupted by the Democrats. And he says now Secret Service is the same story. And he says Secret Service agents are furious. And then he said, Bongino said a funny thing over here. He says the question is whether it was Hunter or one of his friends. He's like, here's the thing. I'm in the Secret Service for 12 years. We never had this problem. We never found cocaine in there. And now you've got somebody who's doing cocaine on tape, who has a reputation as a cocaine addict, living in the White House. He's there Friday. The cocaine is found on Sunday. And everybody's like, gosh, well, who do you think this could be? I saw a tweet, by the way. You know, it's a, a tweet said, what, they found cocaine in the White House? Well, let's see. Is there any cocaine addict that we know of who may frequently be a visitor at the White House? Like, let's rack our brain here. Let's try to figure this out. Um, all right. Here's a clip of Kareem Jean-Pierre. Kareem Jean-Pierre. Well, here, let me play you the clip and then uh, we'll discuss Just it. one more on that. The president had a, a tweet out last night saying that real wages for the average American worker have are higher than they were before the, the pandemic. That tweet has now been annotated with um, a, a message from the platform saying that that is not factual and that they have some 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 stats and some uh, charts uh, footnoted along with that. Uh, do you welcome that um, kind of contestation from tech platforms? We disagree. <laughs> well, we disagree because of we're looking at the data from uh, from February of 2021, and what we've seen is that wages have have gotten stronger, have increased. Well, we we just we disagree. Okay, there's another brilliant uh, piece of eloquence from Kareem Jean Pierre from the White House press secretary, and you know the the, the White House tweets keep getting fact-checked by Community Notes. Community Notes is just such a wonderful, wonderful feature. But it's a lie. They were literally caught in a lie. This Community Notes feature debunked this lie where the White House or the president tweeted, not that the president even knows how to tweet or even knows what a tweet means, but whoever's in charge of his Twitter, remember when Elon Musk said, let, let, let Biden tweet, let him tweet himself. I mean, Trump tweets 
himself. As we know, Trump doesn't have people sitting there and strategizing and, like, composing, writing up tweets and, like, hashing out, all right, well, what what should we write in the tweet and have, like, a team of, like, seven people based on polls and data, you know, figuring out what tweet to put out and, some, you know, putting out some bogus tweet. But uh, this is what happened is, 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 is Biden tweeted that real wages for the average American worker are higher than they were pre-pandemic. And it's a lie. Real wages are not. I assume they adjust for inflation or whatever it is. But um, th- this tweet was actually debunked. And Green Giant PS says, well, we disagree because we checked our own data in February and whatever, you know, whatever she makes up, whatever pops into her head on the spot. Because, you know, Kareem Jean-Pierre has no idea. The, the one person who has less of a, an idea of what's going on in the world than Biden is Kareem Jean-Pierre. All right, it's RFK. Let's spend a few minutes here on RFK Jr. And I'm going to play the clip in a moment. What happened was, uh, and look, I don't know if RFK is an anti-Semite. I'm going to tell you all, you know, his history, his background, which, you know, he certainly dabbles in anti-Semitism or, or says and does things and supports people who are anti-Semitic. So it's not like he has a clean slate here, but it doesn't matter. It does not matter because the comments, I'm going to explain here. There are certain comments where whether your intent is anti-Semitic or whether you actually are somebody who dislikes Jews, when you're saying, and it's not just Jews, it's Jews, it's blacks, it's, it's, it's other races and ethnicities, certain comments that are just beyond the pale. And when you say them, like it's almost as though he wanted a controversy like this to happen because he knows, he, you know, it was technically it was off the record, but he knows it's being videoed and you know that he's talking to, he literally talking to 25 journalists. So you know that if you say something controversial, well, it's going to leak out. But, um, but, but, but here, here's what, what happened. RFK was, was in some sort of restaurant or some kind of gathering talking to journalists and he started talking about bioweapons and started talking about how countries like China are very likely, you know, developing like bioweapons that can target people and, talking about the potential and look there's a big debate whether it's it really is possible you know he's talking about the potential that they can create a bioweapon create a a, a virus or some other sort of bioweapon which because of genetic de- dispositions of certain ethnicities it can target blacks or target whites specifically or target Asians or Jews that sort of thing or spare certain ethnicities because certain people are more genetically predisposed to certain, you know, to, to be more susceptible to viruses than others. So that was that was the point he was trying to make. And it's, it's been misconstrued by the media, as I'll explain, and it's a valid point. Now, again, do they have the technology to really say, all right, listen, we only want this virus to be susceptible, to, to have blacks be susceptible to contracting it and not white. And blacks, because of their genetic makeup, are going to be more susceptible. It's hard to believe that can actually happen, you know, on a real, you know, in a real significant way. But who knows? But that was the point he was trying to make. But the way he made it was he made the point that, according to a study, the COVID virus, COVID nineteen, the coronavirus, um, was not able to impact. Was that that Ashkenazi Jews were not that blacks were susceptible to it, but Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese were not susceptible to it. And of course, the absurdity of that is that it's just not borne out by the fact that we know that Ashkenazi Jews were de- were devastated. Rahman al-Islam, tragically speaking, I mean, horrific, the, 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 uh, you know, the experience, the tragic and unspeakable experience of Ashkenazi Jews. And by the way, many Chinese people, we don't know exactly the numbers, but I mean, but Ashkenazi Jews were maybe hit harder than virtually any other group. All right, so let me play you the clip of RFK. I have a couple of clips here. Let me play you the clip of RFK. Um, that made all the, you know, that created this whole major ruckus and controversy from his meeting with journalists. Um, COVID-19 is targeted to attack 
uh, Caucasians and, uh, and, uh, and uh, black people. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and, uh, and Chinese. And but we don't know whether it was deliberately targeted that or not, but there are papers out there that show the you know the um, the racial and ethnic differential and of impact to that. I'll just pause it for a second over here. He makes the point. This is very important. He says we don't know if it was deliberately targeted or not. When he says this thing about how it was uh, ethnically targeted and it's targeted and and it's uh, most impactful to blacks and least to Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese. He says, we don't know if it was deliberate or not. That's important, as I'll explain shortly. Now, here, let's go back and finish the clip. We do know that the Chinese are spending hundreds of millions of dollars developing ethnic bioweapons, and we are developing ethnic bioweapons. That's where all those labs in the Ukraine are about. They're collecting Russian DNA. They're collecting Chinese DNA. So we can target people. Okay, now, a couple of things you need to be aware of over here. Number one... RFK Jr., he's a conspiracy theorist, okay? You can like him, you can not like him. I personally think, you know, I've seen a lot of his studies. A lot of, he knows a lot. He knows a ton, a ton of data. I believe he misconstrues data. I believe a lot of times his arguments are very logically flawed. But, he, you know, he does quote studies. And here, in this case, he was quoting a study. I think he misconstrued the study, misunderstood the study, but he did quote a study. We'll get to that part in a moment. But a couple of things you need to know over here. Number one, RFK is saying that... The that COVID nineteen was like the Jews Ashkenazi Jews were the least susceptible. Okay, his facts are beyond wrong. It, it, it like he literally and he admits it. And we'll play you a, a follow up clip where he was interviewed by somebody and you know trying to kind of clarify his comments. And he he like attempted to make this like into a smear campaign. The fact that he's being accused of anti semitism, but the 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 point is that his his whole argument makes and I understand his point his point was well they can develop bioweapons they can even target you know eth- ethnically target the bioweapons to hit certain ethnicities not others maybe he's right maybe he's wrong about that but this claim that somehow COVID-19 either spared Ashkenazi Jews or Ashkenazi Jews are the least susceptible is absurd it's just not true and he admits that it's not true and that debunks his whole his whole proof uh, is debunked the whole study that he's you know trying to bring over here is just completely debunked by the fact. So that's step one. But now, now let's talk about his anti-Semitism. And I, I want to make it very clear over here. The big, like, uh, question, the big controversy, we've got to take this step by step, is that the media painted, portrayed RFK to be saying something to the effect. And by the way, I think his comments were disgraceful. I guess I made it very clear. But the media is making it as though, well, he was saying that somehow COVID-19 was deliberately, by design, it was it was designed to spare Jews, designed to spare Ashkenazi Jews. And that's not what he was saying. That was not his point. And, and that's clear because he said, I don't know if it was deliberate or not. Okay, so if his whole point was, oh, you see that chi- that China deliberately made, and well, by the way, why would China deliberately uh, make it? Now, that's what the that, that's kind of what the media is trying to do. The media is trying to make it. Oh, you see what RFK is saying? RFK is saying that the Jews were really behind COVID, and that's why Jews designed it to spare Jews, Jews and the Chinese, like some kind of joint effort. I don't believe that's what he was saying. He said, it, you know, it, we don't know if it was deliberate or not. I don't believe that's what he was saying. And then later, when he clarified the comments, he said, oh yeah, I don't think it was deliberate. I just think it kind of worked out that way. I'm, and and then his point was. But you see, it's possible. If this is true, that it works out that way. The problem is it's not true. The problem is it's a lie. It's fake. It's phony. It's bogus. It's fraudulent. Okay? It's a fabrication because, like I said, COVID-19, if anything, hit Ashkenazi Jews the hardest or or at least as hard as any other ethnicity. If not harder, probably harder. 
And the numbers probably back that up. And amazing how the Jews are always in the, you know, the, the Jews were the ones who were spreading COVID, like when it was happening. And now RFK is saying the Jews are the ones who were spared from COVID. And both of them being used in, in an anti-Semitic way. So, like, it's always like that, right? But um, the Jews are, are whites when it's convenient. And, like, when, when he, here he's saying Caucasians and Jews are two different things. So, like, when it's convenient, the Jews are not white people. So it's like always whatever argument they need in order to, in order to mold it around the anti-Semitic viewpoint. But here's the point. The point is that... Uh, you know, the, the the media is like, well, RFK is trying to say that it was deliberately designed to spare Jews. How could RFK say that he's an anti-Semite? RFK say, no, I never meant to say that. My point just was that Jews, due to their genetic makeup, happened to have been spared. Maybe it was deliberate, maybe not. Now, RFK lied also, because I'm going to play his clip in a moment, his follow-up clip in an interview where he says, oh, I never meant to say it was deliberate. That's not true, because he said, I don't know if it was deliberate or not. So he wasn't very clear either way. He makes it out as though, like, he was very clear he never meant to say it was deliberate. That's not true. But I, I, let's get into the anti-Semitic aspect of this, okay? Because you walk, these comments are dangerous. Even if he's not anti-Semitic, these comments spread anti-Semitism, incite anti-Semitism. These comments encourage anti-Semitism because here's, here's the problem is there's like two kinds of anti-Semitism. There's anti-Semitism, people don't like Jews. You know, oh, I look at Jews. Jews disgust me. I find Jews despicable, okay? Then there's a second kind of anti-Semitism, the people who believe in conspiracy theories and the people who just believe all these horrible things about Jews and spread it around. And they, it's like they innocently believe it. Oh, well, I thought that was true. You know, so, you know, blood libels, right? You know, people who actually believe that the blood libels, yeah, Jews drink Christian blood, right? Or, or people who believe that Jews control the weather. I mean, there are literally like politicians out there, like local politicians in different places who grew up. Uh, being told that Jews control the weather, and they'll, like, tweet about it, how, oh, yeah, Jews, Jews control the weather, right? I mean, even Marjorie Taylor Greene said something about Jew, Jewish space lasers, right? And uh, Jews control Hollywood, Jews control the bank, etc. Jews spread disease around, right? So, like, th that's the problem is, even if you're going to tell me, oh, RFK, he doesn't have a problem with Jews, but still, like, the fact that he's going and making these comments implying that there are diseases out there that spare Ashkenazi Jews like, that's really bad, okay? That's the kind of anti-Semitism, even if he's not anti-Semitic, but it's extremely, extremely dangerous. So it doesn't need to be malicious for the comments to be very, very damaging and to stir up all these, feed into all these anti-Semitic tropes that have been thrown. Because this, this kind of anti-Semitic trope about how Jews are spared from diseases that everybody else, that goes back to, the, like, the bubonic plague and probably even before that. So that's the problem, is spreading these kinds of anti-Semitic quotes, uh, tropes, and RFK knows about these things. Okay, He can't feign ignorance. Remember when uh, Rashid, Rashid, when, uh, what was it, Elon Omar said, oh, uh, it's all about the Benjamins. Oh, Jews buy, buy off politicians? I was not aware that that's an anti-Semitic trope. That was a lie, of course, but you know, RFK Jr., he cannot claim that, and he's not going to claim that. Now, as far as the actual study goes, and by the way, all right, let's get to this. Okay, RFK has a history, has a very checkered past when it comes to anti-Semitism, because several weeks ago, RFK praised an anti-Semitic musician. His name is Roger Waters, and he profusely praised him. I'm actually going to read you the, uh, the tweet that he wrote about Roger Waters. Then he deleted the tweet because he was slammed over it. Roger Waters is a vicious, vicious anti-Semite, a very, very um, popular and renowned musician, but a, but a just disgraceful, despicable monster of human being. And Roger Waters, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. praised him, this anti-Semite Roger Waters. Roger Waters in a concert in Germany, and he does this again and again. It wasn't just a one-time thing. He wore Nazi attire, and his entire performance was viciously anti-Semitic. Um, let me read you here what he did. He... You know, I, I have to find it. I have it in my notes here somewhere. But essentially, he, you know, he like put on Nazi attire 
and he pretended to be firing a machine gun into the crowd. He's been vocal in his support for Palestinians and his opposition to the Israeli government. And I believe he even flew a banner during his concert with a photo of a pig and a swastika. I mean, this man is just just a very vicious, vicious, uh, despicable anti-Semite. And RFK Jr., in a tweet, he wrote, quote, Roger, you are the global hero. Orwell had in mind when he said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And then he said, uh, totalitarian orthodoxies are trying to silence you with censorship, gaslighting, and defamation. Please keep speaking truth to power. So essentially he was uh, heaping all this praise on this Roger Waters and basically defending him from these totalitarian people who are out to get him. So, and then RFK, oh, I didn't realize that he was anti-Semitic. I mean, that's extremely, extremely hard to believe. And then he went and deleted it. And, uh, you know, RFK compared vaccine mandates to Nazi Germany and to, you know, the horrors and atrocities that Anne Frank suffered through, Hashem Rimkoim, Dama. So RFK is not exactly a Jew lover. And another point I just want to make here is, well, all right, let me let me play you the clip of RFK, and then I'll make another point here on the other side. This is RFK again in a follow-up interview trying to clarify his remarks. During that discussion, I pointed to the fact that these scientists from the Cleveland Clinic writing in one of the highest gravitized journals in the world, published a study that showed that certain ethnicities were more susceptible to to COVID-19 and certain uh, ethnicities were less susceptible to it. Among the least susceptible were ethnic Chinese. There were also, uh, Finns are the least of all people, people from Finland. And on that list are also Ashkenazi Jews. The most susceptible include, or are the most susceptible were, uh, were African, people of African descent and Caucasians. This is not a controversial study. Nobody has suggested that these were deliberately engineered changes. And I certainly don't, be- don't believe that they were deliberately engineered. But what they are is kind of a proof of concept that you can develop uh, bioweapons that will attack certain ethnicities, and this should be terrifying to all of us. And we really need this to be an object of discussion. The Ashkenazi Jewish community was decimated by COVID, Bobby. I know it was decimated. I'm half Ashkenazi, I'm half Sephardi. I'm Ashkephardi. My father is an Iranian Jew. My mother is Lithuanian Polish Jew. And so I guess can I, I'm half hit by the COVID vaccine, half not hit. But, but in all seriousness, the Hasidic communities of New York City were pulverized by, by COVID. So it doesn't even seem that this is true that Ashkenazi Jews are, were more immune. I know so many Ashkenazi Jews who died during COVID. My brother almost died during COVID. He was uh, in the ICU at, the, at uh, uh, Mount Sinai Hospital in Miami. So this just doesn't seem to be borne out by fact, certainly by empirical fact. Well, you may be right. And I, you know, I know I have a lot of friends who are Ashkenazi Jews who had a had were devastated personally by uh, by COVID. So you may be right. All I'm doing, I'm not, you know, vouching for whether that science bears up one way or another. There may be many, many other factors. What this study shows is that the uh, uh, the 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 port, the docking port, which is called the Fern Cleave site, is more compatible with docking with the ACE2 receptors in the lungs of black 
people and Caucasians than it is other races, and it is least compatible among them with ethnic Chinese. And that's all. But, you know, whether there's other factors that may make those populations more vulnerable, I don't know, and I can't explain. All I know, this is a peer-reviewed study by prominent scientists, the most prominent uh, scientists in America, in a in one of the top 10 high-gravitas journals in the country, and it's worth re- referring to. You can argue about it. That's the whole point. And I think all the... You- all right, so look, to me, it makes no sense. Number one, and, he's, and I'll explain a, a little bit. I don't want to get into the weeds here, but I'll explain a little bit about the study in a moment. But here's what he, like, he's, he's out saying that Jews somehow were less susceptible, and then he's asked the obvious question, but Jews were very susceptible, highly susceptible, and he says, well, yeah, there must have been other factors. Okay, well, then your whole point is that somehow we see that COVID, its design, not deliberately, but its design was to spare Jews. Its design was created in such a way, maybe unintentionally, but it spares Jews. It spares Jews, and but but it didn't spare Jews. Oh, well, I guess there are other factors. Okay, well then it doesn't spare Jews. Then your whole theory is wrong, and the study is wrong. Even though I don't think the study is wrong, as I'll explain, I think he's misconstruing the study. So, like his whole argument just just completely crumble. So then what's his point? Well, you can make viruses that uh, only target this ethnicity, but not, not that ethnicity. Well, how do you know? Because COVID didn't target Ashkenazi Jews. Yes, it did. Oh, yeah, but, but there was a study that shows that it shouldn't latch on, that the, 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 the place where it binds, the receptor, the, 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 the receptor in the cell where the COVID virus binds to, you know, basically this, uh, this ACE2 enzyme, uh, isn't that receptor isn't prevalent in Ashkenazi Jews. Well, they, it still it, it still impacted Jews an awful lot, right? And probably even more so than other ethnicities. So the whole point makes absolutely no sense. And you know, and and, and like I said, he's saying first of all, he's not apologizing. Okay, he should just be apologizing. Like I said, the disgraceful part is not whether he dislikes Jews; it's that he made this comment saying, "Well, Ashkenazi Jews were somehow immune from COVID and thus spread this vicious, vicious." anti-Semitic trope. And by the way, I want to mention another thing. I I read through this study. It's a little hard to understand. It's very technical, but the study basically talks about receptors and how, like I said, without getting into the weeds, the ACE2 enzyme, uh, you know, uh, angiotensin-creating enzyme, I believe is what the ACE enzyme stands for, and that's an enzyme that's found in in, in our cells and the way COVID, the way the COVID virus works is the COVID virus infects humans by latching on to the ACE2 enzyme. Okay, and somehow certain receptor cells are, are more, that 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 the COVID virus latches onto are more common in blacks and much less common in Chinese and Ashkenazi Jews. I'll make the point by the way. The study mentions two groups besides Chinese. Chinese it mentions two groups that don't have many of these receptor cells or or these receptors, Uh, Jews and Amish. Okay, but some of RFK is not mentioning the Amish. He's only mentioning the Jews. And what does that tell you? I find that very, very interesting. But that's not the point. The point is, whatever the study, studies from July 2020, and the study is trying to basically analyze, okay, the parts of the cell that COVID latches onto, some ethnicities have a lot of those receptors. Some ethnicities have very few of those receptors. Then the theory, the, the, the study never says... Excuse me, because study never says, and this is what RFK keeps talking about, susceptibility, susceptibility. It never says it. It's just a theory. Well, maybe that would make Jews less susceptible. Well, that's not true. So the theory is wrong. So obviously this, it's binding. Whatever you, how do you explain that? But, like, the, the study's not talking about 
whether or not Jews are more susceptible. It's just talking about this specific receptor. So RFK is completely blowing it out of proportion and you know taking it way further than it ever should have been taken. And we got way more into the weeds than probably anybody wants. Sorry if your eyes are glazing over and, you know, wake up, whoever may be uh, is not awake right now because of this. Wake up. We're getting into other things now. But he didn't apologize. He reaffirmed the comments, and he's harping on these irrelevant details. And it's very disgraceful. And, yeah, you want to tell me that the mainstream media is total uh, are total hypocrites because you know here you have all these racists in congress who are boycotting president herzog and saying that israel is an apartheid state and a racist state and here you have rfk who's doing something arguably not nearly as bad but even if it's as bad but they only care about rfk and why because they just have an agenda they don't they don't care about anti-semites the the media loves anti-semites as long as they're anti-semites on the left they just don't like rfk because he's a threat He's a threat to Biden, and he's uh, an anti-vaxxer. So it's all about their agenda. By the way, I wanted to mention, I, left, I got a voicemail a few days ago from a listener, young man, and he, he's calling me Milstein. He says, hey, Milstein, Milstein, and he kept calling me Milstein. And I guess that was like his kind of joke where he was trying to either guess my last name or just decide that my last name, since it starts with an M, maybe is Milstein. So I figured I'll make the point. Hey, Milstein, Milstein. He just kept saying that again and again. So I guess I'll just hereby declare, let everybody know, big announcement. My name is not Milstein, okay? I'm not going to rule out every possible last name that starts with an M, but I will rule out Milstein. My last name is not Milstein. President Biden may send troops to Ukraine. He issued an order allowing the Pentagon to call up 3,000 military reservists to be the reservists to be deployed to Europe. So here we go. They're going to send uh, soldiers to Ukraine, send troops to Ukraine. I'm waiting. Let's see. That's very, very disturbing. Uh, anything else? All right. I guess we're going to leave it there. We, we've been way long here. Hopefully you enjoyed. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.